Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Senra. Joining me is one of my co-hosts, Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you today? Doing alright. How about you? Well, I'm doing pretty good. Um, I know the Ticats are playing right now, hoping to get to win 14 on the year, but that's all the CFL talk we'll have. This is NFL, the football preview. Week 8. Uh, no Alessandro Senator with us. Uh, scheduling conflicts couldn't get him on today, but uh, that's okay, because... Kayla and I here are here to hold down the fort as we talk about games both here in this continent and other continents. <laughs> uh, I guess the first thing is, and because we're Saturday, this is after the Thursday night game, so we can go back to that. Uh, Vikings beat Washington 19-9. to And, uh, I mean, I know I was expecting maybe a little bit more points for the, the Vikings. I thought they would blow them out a little more. So, uh, kind of a disappointing performance for the passing game. Kirk Cousins, he went 23 for 26, so it's not as if he only threw 10 passes. Uh, 285 yards, but no touchdowns. Uh, the only touchdown in the game was Dalvin Cook. 98 yards rushing, 73 yards receiving. Stephon Diggs in a monster game, caught all seven targets for 143 yards. Um, I think it was what we said, though. For sure, Cooks and Diggs would be the, the, the players to start. And then I, I had more confidence in Cousins, so he disappointed. Uh, Alexander Madison was next in scrimmage yards, so I, I think I had that right, where... If there's going to be any other player, it's probably going to be him. 61 yards on the ground. Only three uh, receiving yards. I mean, that's a little disappointing. Uh, otherwise, I mean, he had more rushing yards than Obasi Johnson or Smith and Palgoff combined. They're basically, the, the three of them combined for about the same amount of yards. All of them under 30 yards receiving. Only uh, two or three catches each. So, not great performances there. And Washington, nothing really... Adrian Peterson had 76 yards on the ground, 27 yards receiving. It's almost 100 scrimmage yards, so that's that was about it. Um, Case Keenum only had 130 passing yards. Dwayne Haskins came in for five attempts, 33 yards and an interception. Uh, the leading receiver was Terry McLaurin, as I think, again, is I, I definitely thought maybe a bit better performance than this, but six targets, four receptions, 39 yards. So just kind of disappointing all around for both offenses, but with how good, especially the Vikings' defense is, I guess it's not too surprising. You have anything to say about the game, Kayla? Yeah, if you, uh, especially in the fourth quarter, if you were watching, um, Alexander Madison had a bunch of strong runs where he broke numerous tackles and, you know, moved them down the field. But uh, there were multiple times when he had multiple runs in a row that were called back by penalties. So that was really disappointing to see, especially if you started him in fantasy, because uh, he he had the yards. He ran for a lot more yards, but they were negated by just team mistakes um and I think that's something that Minnesota has really struggled with this year I know uh throughout the year Dalvin Cook has had some similar runs and you know they've been called back for just poor holding calls or poor choices on Minnesota's offense um I was kind of let down by the Vikings offense like you were kind of talking about I expected to have a better game from Kirk Cousins especially playing his former team um at the end of the day, they came out and got a win, so it, it doesn't really matter, you know, from his standpoint. But from fantasy standpoint, Washington's defense isn't that good. Um, I feel like they've kind of fallen off uh, after their, uh, like, first three games this year um, where they had decent – where they were holding teams a decent amount of times. Um, but I would have liked to see more from Cousins, even though Thielen was out. Um, I'm, I'm happy that Diggs was able to get – uh, especially catch all of his passes, but have a lot for some big games. I think um, it. 
everybody would have liked to seen him get a touchdown. I think that kind of falls on Cousins. I think there are opportunities there that they didn't take advantage of, and that's something that should be monitored for the Vikings going forward. But um, I think Washington went up against a, a decent defense. Um, there's no joke to play in Minnesota or against the Vikings at any time. So uh, I wish McLaurin would have gotten more yards, but he's he just is behind an offensive line that's not good, and he doesn't have uh, – super healthy quarterback for 100% in Keenum. Obviously, we saw him leave again, and uh, Haskins has a lot left to be desired. So uh, I think it's just unfortunate that, you know, McLaurin's in the situation that he is or his stat lines would be improved uh, a lot more uh, week to week. Yeah, uh, it's he's come off a really consistent stretch where he had, I think, 10 touchdowns in the last three games. So, uh, I don't know, maybe that was the best of his season. We'll see. Uh, but I think I mean, eventually when Thielen does return, that'll probably certainly help things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it is concerning. I mean, it has been all year. We've seen the lowest of lows when it comes to 10 pass attempts. And didn't even think that was possible in 2019. Still still can't get over that. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it gets a, a little bit of a scary proposition. But certainly does seem like Dalvin Cook is going to be a consistent top five guy guy throughout the year uh, maybe not top five every week but by the end of the year he's going to be I, I i think inside the top five at running backs will be tough to i mean you know, of course injuries or uh, yeah i mean he's number one in the league right now so i don't think he's going to have a significant drop off unless he gets another injury bug that plagued him last year mm-hmm. he's and he again the one thing with running backs you want them involved in the passing game and he is yes uh, again, he was the second leading receiver for them last week, so it's a good involvement. And usually, in most weeks, he's probably going to be third. Yeah. Uh, now moving on to, I'm going to talk about air attack and flying, flying all the way over to London. The Bengals, technically at the Rams. The Rams lose its home game for this, but uh, um, I mean, it actually probably makes more sense for the Rams to lose home games now before they move into their new stadium, and they're going to want as many home games as possible. So they probably, oh yeah, we'll take a Mexico game, and we'll do this and that, and uh, just so that once the new stadium's open, they can have as many games there as possible. That's probably a good smart business move. But anyway, uh, enough about that. So in this game, uh, I think the only Bengals player that that's probably worth starting 100% is Tyler Boyd. Uh, playing in the slot, more likely, he probably won't see Jalen Ramsey, which is going to also factor into a player that I'm looking to avoid completely this week. Um, and he he he, you know, he still gets enough of the target share, less of the red zone. That's that's really gone to Auden Tate. Uh, but for overall targets, he still uh, is involved, uh, you know, often enough. I know some games. I, there was a couple games there where Auden Tate did get more targets than him. But it's been a, a fairly consistent floor. I mean, and last week he got 14 targets, only caught five of them. So that's uh, that's not a great catch rate. Uh, this was against the Jaguars. So you expect it to be another tough matchup for him. So it's probably not going to be great. I've uh, seen him get a, a little bit better than that, though, as a, uh, for a catch rate. And uh, I don't know. I, I look for him to kind of be more designed more to get open, especially against that Rams pass rush you're going to want. Maybe a guy in the slot being a dump-off option, other than, of course, your running back. But that's... They really haven't been using Joe Mixon enough to make him an every week starter. That's why I think Boyd is the best start, and Mixon, it's, I have him as a maybe, but it's getting so tough to start him week in, week out. Uh, I've got him in one league, and you know, options like Aaron Jones and LaShawn McCoy present themselves. It's, uh really don't want to play Joe Mixon. So uh, I think, you know, if, you, if you're really stuck and you have to, 
I, I know this is okay. So for this bye week, if you had, let's say you had Zeke and Ingram, and you were in, or one or the other, and your normal starters aren't there, Joe Mixon may make sense, but it just gets really tough to trust him. This is another tough matchup. The problem here is we have no idea how well either teams play. Looking at it, you got to think, you know, a lot of London games are blowouts. One team is more well adjusted than the other. I mean, if it's going to be a blowout, it's going to be in Rams' favor. Maybe the, the Rams have trouble, but even if that's the case, it'll probably just end up being a closer loss for the Bengals than a win. So mm-hmm. uh, I think start most Rams players, Jared Goff, Cooper Cup, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, even Todd Gurley. I know the knee stuff's scary, but the Rams, the Bengals are so bad against the run that Gurley could have a really productive day, get a couple touchdowns, and then sit out the second half, and, and you're still happy. Like that's, that's a realm of possibility. There is, And if it's a close game, expect they'll play him a little more. I guess there's worry that maybe he doesn't travel the greatest with his knee. Um, so I don't know if that's a huge concern there. If it is, then maybe it's looking more for Dar- Darrell Henderson, who I think even in this game, I, I think he's a decent option if, you, if you do, you're looking for a running back. Same with Gerald Everett. If you need a tight end, it certainly do a lot worse. And uh, again, outside the, I think there, there's maybe about seven, eight consistent tight ends week in, week out. One of them is Mark Andrews, and he's on bye. So if you're looking for an, an option for him or you don't have one of the other seven guys, then, you know, you want touchdown dependence. And this matchup should be, uh, again, they, they should put up a ton of points. Uh, I'm pretty sure for the Vegas uh, implied total lines, the Rams are, have the second most. Uh, the only team with the higher one is uh, Seattle because they're playing Atlanta. So, again, bad, really bad offenses. That's the teams you want to target here. I certainly have more faith in Gerald Everett than I would for either of those Seahawks tight ends. Because mm-hmm. uh, they haven't been getting a target share, whereas Everett's seen games with big target share. So as a streaming tight end, Everett might be one of the best options out there. Uh, and I, I alluded to it earlier. I'm sitting Auden Tate. Uh, I, th- you know, playing on the outside, there's a good chance you'll see a lot of Jalen Ramsey. And yeah, he's a bigger guy. He's, he's tall, big stature, but Ramsey plays really physical, uh, plays above his height. It, 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 you know, it's, I, I equate it a little bit to Jair Alexander, too, with the Packers, but it's more extreme. I think uh, Ramsey really... Uh, I know you're not the biggest fan of him, but I do. I really do think he's one of the three, but certainly five best corners in the league. And uh, I'm scared for Auden Tate this week. Yeah, I I dropped Auden Tate in a couple of my leagues just because I, you know, I had Mark Andrews, which you alluded to. I need to pick up a tight end. I ended up going with Darren Fells instead of uh, Gerald Everett, but we can talk about that later. Um, but I, yeah, I kind of just cut the cord with Auden Tate because there are other you know, better players out there. And I mean, you could even argue someone that you didn't uh, bring up Alex Erickson, uh, who I guess is working as a number three wide receiver right now. Um, Last week he had 14 targets and he caught eight of them for 137 yards. Uh, Clearly it was his biggest game of the season. Um, But the week before he had 47 yards um, and he also had some rushing yards. It wasn't a great fantasy day, but uh, if you had him in PPR, then you got double digits out of him. Um, and I think, you know, he's somebody that uh, is kind of bigger, too. He's six feet tall, um, doesn't necessarily have the weight like Tate does, um, but he is close to 200 pounds. And uh, I like that he's been getting more looks. It kind of looks like it's, you know, the defenses that are paying more attention to Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate. And then here comes Alex Erickson just you know, randomly wide open and getting these looks. Um, his catch rate isn't great. I mean, he dropped six last week. He could have had, you know, 200 yards had he caught some more of those because he was more of a big play guy. Um, so I'm sure that he's really not owned in any leagues. According to CBS Sports, he's owned in 2% of leagues. Um, so with playing 
the Rams this week. I mean, I'm usually uncomfortable playing people when they go overseas in London, but um, the Rams, you know, they're, I don't think Erickson is going to see Jalen Ramsey. Um, yeah, I'm not a, a huge fan of him, but I, I'm not going to say that he's not a good corner. I think he's one of the top corners in the league. I just think people think he's better than he is, um, but that doesn't take away from what he does on the field. Um, I just think he's overhyped a little bit, but I think uh, Ramsey will take away from the other receivers, like you said, so he could be a sneaky play in there, but I'm just afraid of the offensive line, honestly, for Cincinnati and the fact that they don't have a run game with Joe Mixon, but um, I think Erickson could be a possible play for you. Um, but I'm not super sold on uh, Tyler Boyd. Um, I'm just a little nervous with, I know his targets are there, but his really only seriously successful game, if you don't have him in PPR, had to be against Arizona. Um, he, again, had 14 targets like he did against Jacksonville, but he did catch 10 of them for 123 yards and a touchdown. And that was only one of two games that he's had double-digit fantasy points this year. Um, last week against Jacksonville, he had four and a half. This is for non-PPR. He only had one against Baltimore. Pittsburgh, he had 3.3. Buffalo, he had 6.8. And in the opening weekend against Seattle, 6.3. Uh, you could say that most of those teams have decent defenses, so it's just poor luck of the draw. Um, but the Rams, it doesn't get easier. It's not until after the bye that, you know, they start to see, you know, Baltimore's defense again. I mean, it's they played them before, but uh, the defense hasn't uh, improved, in my opinion. I think they've gotten a little worse. But then they see people like Oakland and the Jets. So, um I'm not sure if this is the week that I trust Tyler Boyd to start him, but I agree with you in not starting Joe Mixon or, you know, waiting till the last minute to see who your other options are um, aside from him and not starting on in Tate or anybody like that. Um, but for the Rams, I mean, if the Rams don't win big in this game, um, that's going to pose a lot of questions for me about their team. I think, like you said, start as many people as you can for the Rams, even though they're overseas, they're the better team. Um, they should be able to show it. And I just hope it's not a case where, you know, we all thought Chicago was going to win big against Oakland a couple weeks ago and it was the other way around. So um, I don't think that happens. I think Chicago has a lot more issues on offense than the Rams. Um, but I like your call on starting basically all the Rams. Well, for the record, I actually thought Oakland was going to win that game because the Bears traveled so late. I remember made a, making a point of talking about that, too, of how I was really sold on like players like Darren Waller and... Um, I know I, I overhype David Montgomery every week, so that's not that was probably another example where I did it too. But uh, uh, to be honest, I love having you on this show. It's so great you're here. I'm so happy because the Alex Erickson call is actually really great. Uh, just uh, looking at it, it did slip my mind to put him on, which uh, again I was just so scared of this matchup that I could see I could see it being a 44 nothing game and no one's fantasy relevant. But uh, Erickson, the 14 targets last week, but three of them were also in the red zone. Um, and no one else saw more than one red zone target. And those Auden Tate had one and Mixon had one. That's it. So, that, so all the more than half of the red zone targets went to Erickson last week. He has five on the year, which actually ties the team league with Tyler Eifert. So um, maybe maybe it's it's kind of shifted to Alex Erickson being the primary red zone weapon, not Auden Tate. Uh, I still think and now because he's coming out so much, maybe Ramsey switch over, switches over and plays on Erickson at times. So that kind of also scares me off him, but I certainly like it better than Auden Tate. So good point there. Yeah. I think, you know, whoever Ramsey's not on is probably going to get the target on that play. And I think at some level, if they keep switching Ramsey, he's going to get beat a couple times. Um, so, I mean, 
I think, you know, at some level, Cincinnati is not going to go three and out on every play or on every drive, I should say. Um, so at some level, they're throwing the ball to somebody. I mean, you see that they're getting targets because they're not using Mixon. Um, so I think that's encouraging if you're trying to start a wide receiver because you got some people on by or you got some people injured like Will Fuller. Um, I know I looked at maybe picking up somebody um, in the receiving game to replace him, but I ended up going running back as a flex option instead because I had enough uh, wide receivers but um yeah I think it just comes down to if Cincinnati can move the ball because um, the targets are there and it just really depends on the matchup but I'm not you know super excited to start a bunch of bangles but uh, there are some that you can look at week in and week out it really just depends on the matchup like you were talking about uh anyway let's get to the next matchup then uh so that'll be the Cardinals and the Saints so Kayla take it away yeah, so for Arizona, um, I'm confident in starting Kyler Murray. Um, Arizona is likely going to be chasing points in this game, and I think he'll be able to produce through the air and on the ground. Um, Murray's really due for a touchdown on the ground, especially with uh, the the way that he plays the game. Um, I don't think David Johnson's going to be healthy, just based on you know they went out and signed Alfred Morris. Um, so sit him. I mean, watch the reports, but. It's. I don't think it's likely that he's going to play or be a factor, but I like Chase Edmonds in uh, his place last week. He had 27 rushes for 126 yards and three touchdowns on the ground. Um, I know the Saints defense has been stingy, and they either, you know, cover a fumble, get an interception, get a defensive score, whatever, but um, I like the way Edmonds uh, ran the ball yesterday, or not yesterday, in the last game. Um, his yards per carry was encouraging, and I like that he was able to find the end zone from from far out and kind of close up in the goal line. Um, I also have Larry Fitzgerald as a maybe. He has no double-digit fantasy points since week two, but he's still the team's number one wide receiver. Um, but his fantasy production is lacking just because of the run game and the rushing touchdowns. It's hard being on a team when your quarterback is also a rusher. We see that in Baltimore uh, when, you know, Lamar Jackson rushes for touchdowns and it kind of hurts the wide receiver production. Um, so I think Fitzgerald is kind of falling victim into that. And, you know, the Saints know that Fitzgerald's going to be the number one guy in the pass game. So, you know, he might see Marshawn Lattimore. He might just be, you know, locked down to the point where he doesn't produce a lot. Um, I don't think Fitzgerald is a must start, but I don't think you should sit him either because, there's still some injuries to people like Christian Kirk in the past game. So um, they're going to need to look towards somebody that's experienced. It's kind of why I have him as a maybe. Um, But yeah, I would say Kirk, he's still dealing with the ankle injury. So even if he plays, he's not going to be a hundred percent. I'm not sure if they've ruled him out yet. I'm not entirely sure on his uh, practice participation yesterday. I was trying to look for it, um, but I didn't see it. So uh, if you know something, feel free to jump in. Um, But well, uh, yeah, he, he was another limited practice participant. That was the case all week. List is questionable. So, um, and, and I think last week he did practice somewhat. So there was there was even a chance last week he could play. So I'm I'm siding with, with I because, th- uh, yeah, even last week he limited all week, though. So it, the same type of practice participation as this week. I know it's probably about 50-50 that he plays. So that'll yeah, definitely be he, one that we'll yeah, need to Yeah, I think he at. was a game day inactive on Sunday. Um, now that I'm thinking back to it. Yeah, I remember on my on the stream on Sunday morning, I definitely was looking out for that one as, as a potential factor. I know for me, I, even it's, uh, I was considering playing him just because it was a good matchup against the Giants. So a couple of times I had to kind of pivot last minute when we realized he was out. 
So, um, yeah, it's, it's going to be, I think this is another one o'clock game though, which is the, that's the, I suppose the good news here because, uh, at least it lets us know early if he's in or not. Uh, right. cause otherwise that could get, uh, if it's a four o'clock game, that'd be much more of an issue where you're, you're having to wait, you're having to make decisions maybe beforehand, but being at one, we should have all the information, uh, it seems like some weeks the London game will be at nine. This isn't one of those. The uh, Bengals Rams games at one o'clock as well. So everything kind of we get a bun- bunch of information all at once, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. Anyway, uh, yeah, you can keep going. Yeah. Um. So also tight end Charles Clay. Uh, he has less than one point in five to seven weeks. I don't really see why you have him on your roster. And even if you have people like Mark Andrews on by this week uh there are other people out there i kind of hinted to darren fells earlier but charles clay i mean arguably you might not even want to drop somebody on your team to pick him up for a week because he's probably not going to get you a lot of points you might not get that guy back on the waiver wire so sometimes rolling without players i know we've talked about this um sometimes is better than losing somebody you could use down the road um, so on the opposite side of the ball for New Orleans, uh, Drew Brees is aiming for a return this week. Um, so if he does return, I think you have to start him. Um, otherwise, I do like Teddy Bridgewater as an option. Arizona's 25th against the pass and allows roughly 264 yards per game. Um, I think if Kamara is out, he's currently questionable. Um, you get more pass options, um, especially to Brees, um, but with Bridgewater too. I think just because Arizona ranks so low in the pass, um, they might just look to throw the ball more. And I think uh, if Kamara is out, Latavius Murray is still a passing back. Um, so he becomes a option in the pass game as well. Um, especially if Kamara is out, I like Latavius Murray as a start. Um, last week he filled in with 27 rushes for 119 yards and two touchdowns. So uh, it's not, you know, just somebody filling in. It's somebody matching production or exceeding it uh, for the starter. I also like Michael Thomas. Obviously, you probably drafted him in your first round or the very beginning of the second round when you took him in your draft. So you're probably not going to bench him. He's probably your number one wide receiver. Um, He has double-digit targets in the last three games, though, which kind of helps. And if Breeze is back, that only helps his production. Um, I like the matchup. I think, you know, Thomas is a big guy, and he's going against a defense that allows a lot of uh, big plays to wide outs, not just, you know, you're short, oh, I have 15, you know, targets, 10 catches, and, you know, almost 100 yards. I think he could be a big play guy also. Um, Ted Ginn I have as a maybe. He only has two catches per game in his last three games, um, but his fantasy value is up a little bit because they're long yardage plays, but I don't like relying on the big play ball. Um, I think Latavius Murray and Michael Thomas have a better chance to get more points in this game. Uh and if Kamara plays, Ginn's uh, production just lowers even more. Um, I'm also kind of looking at the New Orleans defense. Um, I like that they get sacks and they force fumbles. They're doing better in the past couple of weeks with limiting yards to the opposition. And um, I think if they get on a roll early, they could limit the scoring chances, especially with the banged up wide receiver core. Um, so it could be a low scoring game on Arizona's end unless they find success on the run game. Um, but I think the New Orleans defense is a solid option, especially with a couple teams on by. Um, I also like Will Lutz. He has double-digit points in half of his games this year and faced his another poor defense. Um, he, after uh, the bye, just looking ahead, he plays the 28th-ranked defense, 32nd-ranked defense, 19th-ranked defense, and 28th-ranked defense again. So um, he's probably rostered in your leagues, but you don't need to be go- going to be looking for a kicker in the weeks coming up just because of the uh, poor defenses that he's going to play. And uh, I don't have anybody sitting for New Orleans um, 
What do you think about that? I mean, like Jared Cook's out, so you're obviously sitting him. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> would you? And because he's out, would you consider Josh Hill at tight end? Um, that's a good question. I think that he provides another option in the passing game. Um, I don't know. I think maybe because Arizona's defense is not as good. Um, I think the only reason you could trust him this week is simply just because he's playing the Cardinals. I mean, Arizona um, has allowed a tight end to score, I believe, in six of seven games. So I think it it just depends on where they are in the field and who they're using. I think Hill's going to be more open than other wide receivers um, and other options in the passing game. So he might be good for a couple catches and a touchdown since Arizona's infamous for doing that this year. But uh, he wasn't really on my radar until you asked me that question. So um, I don't know. Well, and, and I mean, I like it better than Charles Clay, to, to the credit of you saying bench That's Charles Clay. True. I definitely much prefer Hill because, again, it's if I'm looking for a, a touchdown dependent tight end, give me the tight ends that are going to score points. And I, I think the Saints are the third highest uh, total this week for implied totals from Vegas. So uh, okay. certainly they're expected to put up a ton of points, and the Cardinals aren't really. So uh, I – and I actually – I you – had everything else perfectly uh, other than like uh because i think kyler murray's the, the the only one here really worth starting uh fitzgerald scares me uh and again murray it's again just because of the rushing ground he could maybe score some on the ground chase Edmonds scares me because it's a really tough defensive matchup and yeah um the saints especially if breeze is out he could be he uh he may be back and want to just prove that he's uh gonna sling it around and he's healthy um uh, the other thing with uh latavius murray i think uh that's a it's a great call even if kamar is active because the cardinals are so bad against both the pass and run uh expect murray's gonna be able to score some things and even if kamar is active they're gonna limit his snaps and they don't want to necessarily push him because he he was a limited practice participant thursday friday so there's there's a chance he plays uh it does seem like there's more chance of breeze playing than there is of, of kamar playing uh but yeah uh, saints right now they're tied with the texans uh, for uh, 29 points implied this week behind only the Rams and Seahawks. So, yeah, uh, Vegas thinks they'll put up points. So it's, uh, yeah, if you have Saints players, I wouldn't be afraid to play them this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm moving on to the Giants and Lions. So obviously you're starting Saquon and Evan Ingram. Uh, I don't know if there's any other Giants players necessarily worth totally playing here. Uh, Golden Tate, Daniel Jones, maybe. Uh, likewise for the Lions, uh, I really like Galladay and Stafford and, and those two players because, uh, I don't, Janoris Jenkins just really hasn't been performing well this year. So that's, uh, you know, Galladay last week, he was covered a lot by Xavier Rhodes and having the better cornerback matchup, Stafford looked for Jones, but if, with Jenkins struggling, that's not really going to matter. And I think Galladay is in for a big game. Uh, but also strongly consider Jones as well. I haven't been a maybe, but, uh. Uh, just because I don't want to o- totally overreact to him getting four touchdowns last week. Um, which uh, I had him in two leagues and I played him in one, sat him in another. So I wasn't necessarily totally convinced. And I know the one league I sat him in I was more just, oh, I have a lot of injuries and, well, I could do worse than this. Uh, so put him in and yeah, it worked out pretty well. Uh, Ty Johnson looks to be the starting running back. Uh, so I know uh, in our previous episode we talked about maybe Kenyon Drake getting traded to the lions that that those talks were happening kayla have you heard anything on your end about that about the dolphins 
Uh, no, I haven't heard any updates for uh, them trading him to Detroit. I know that, um, I forget which reporter reported it, but there are multiple teams that were calling about Kenyon Drake. Um, they haven't released those yet because they said that if the, the talks got more intense, then they would kind of update, you know, the world. <laughs> but um, it sounds to me like they're not close to getting a deal with any of the teams that are calling. So, um I, I just think they're going to wait until something either big happens or kind of just announce it after the trade deadline. So I know these teams were, were interested, but it looks like Detroit is confident moving forward with Ty Johnson, at least for right now. And they can also see how he performs on, on Sunday and then make the call to see if, you know, they want to pursue Drake again. Um, but the Lions were definitely interested in him. Um, that was the only team that uh, was was named in the calling for Drake just because of the injury to carry on Johnson, but I think they're gonna they're gonna push it and wait a little bit. They also have JD McKissick, um, who used to play in Seattle. Uh, so if they split time or you know something happens to one of them, they they aren't without a running back. So I think it really just depends on how they do on Sunday to see if they pick up the phone again. And I think McKissick's presence is a reason why I don't have Johnson as a must start. Because uh, McKissick's a great pass catching back, and I know he kind of almost at times doubles as a as a receiver, and uh, it certainly seemed like that's how Detroit, when uh, when Carryon Johnson was there, and they still had C.J. Anderson, you know, for, to get McKissick on the field, he, he had a better chance getting on as a receiver. So uh, I didn't put him here, but I actually think McKissick may also be worth a play, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, T.J. Hawkinson as well, uh, even Danny Amendola, <laughs> a bunch of guys I didn't actually write down, but just thinking about it, the Giants aren't very good of a defense, so. Uh, you know, I feel fairly confident plugging most of those guys in if you, you know, if you really need to. I think, again, Marvin Jones is probably, out of that entire group, I would say the most likely for you to want to play. Uh, again, I mentioned Golden Tate, Daniel Jones, I think are worth it because those two seem to have somewhat of a connection and Jones is going to have Ingram and Barkley. And the Lions defense isn't that great. Uh, I think Darius Slay is out this week, too. So, uh, yeah. He would have. I don't know if he was going to cover Joan or Tate or just take out one of the outside guys. Maybe they ha- would have had him on Ingram. So I think those those top three are all improved by that. Uh, Justin Coleman. I don't know where he's going to go. Maybe he lines up on Tate. I don't know that. I mean, it's not going to help Tate, but uh, I don't know that it would hinder him too much because he seems to be getting enough of a target share. But uh, I don't really trust any of the other Giants receivers. So uh, you know, Darius Slayton. Uh, Benny Fowler's back, Cody Latimer. None of those guys really scream to me that you should really play them or, or even roster them um, necessarily. Right, uh, yeah, I agree. Um, I actually had Golden Tate as my sleeper wide receiver this week on my Stardom Sidham article um, just because Detroit has allowed three passing touchdowns in the last two games. Um, and Tate is making his return to Detroit, and he is the Giants' healthiest wide receiver. Uh, Tate has 12 catches and 182 yards in his last two games, and one of those was against New England. He also has the only receiving touchdown against New England this year, which tells me that he can make in-game adjustments, and he he's just confident with his play right now. Um, and remember, you know, he he hasn't played this year um, in all the games because he was suspended, uh, but he wasn't you know, out because he was injured. He was just out because of an unfortunate situation with, you know, personal family reasons and taking drugs to, you know, try to have kids. So, you know, I'm, I'm still bothered by the fact that the NHL or the NFL, sorry, PA, um, 
Players Association didn't, you know, fight harder to get him back on the field. I think, you know, that's an honest mistake. And, you know, he's not one of those guys who you look at and you're like, oh, yeah, you're you're a problem in the league. Um, So that's just my little rant um, for that. Well, but well I, to be fair to the NFLPA, they did appeal it. I mean, Goodell's judge and jury, right? So it's up to Goodell. Like, the NFLPA can do whatever they want to get players unsuspended. And it's 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 this is solely on Goodell and, and the ownership group of the league not so much the pa but i do agree i also don't like that that this is how it went down but yeah and i mean um detroit also allows around 290 300 yards a game and they've already given up 10 touchdowns so i think um with sterling Shepard out and you know some questionable wide receivers lining up around tate um he has a good chance to perform well this week um, yeah, and I like her call with Matthew Stafford. Um, I think he's a really underrated quarterback. I really like his play. He's been successful in fantasy uh, for most of the season. Um, and then I did pick up um, Ty Johnson because I think, uh, if anything, you know, you were talking about how on Johnson was used in the pass game. He was also used as a, um, you know, break for the, the pass game for the Lions this year. And uh, he has been successful running the ball. So I think... Um, Johnson kind of mirrors him a little bit with the reports that I've read. And I think if Detroit is successful using Johnson the way they use the other Johnson, um, Ty Johnson could have a pretty good game. But I like the call for McKissick and PPR only um, because I think he'll definitely aid in their passing game now that he's more likely to be on the field more. In uh, Before last week, the, the Lions ran the ball, uh, or at least their running backs ran the football uh, 19 times in the red zone. Carry on Johnson had 16 of those mm-hmm. last week. Ty Johnson has three red zone carries and no one else on the, the team has. There was a lot of targets to Marvin Jones. That was actually the main red zone weapon last week was Marvin Jones with five targets. Uh, but yeah, so it does also seem like Ty Johnson is the goal line back. So the touchdown upside uh, falls on him and against mm-hmm. the giants. I think that's, that's decently high to where uh, certainly in DFS. I know it was a bargain play. I, I wrote my uh, Yahoo DFS article this morning for uh, going for two was just released this morning. And uh, one of my best bet bargains, at least at running back, was Ty Johnson, uh, who comes in pretty cheap. And they haven't really raised his price on DraftKings or Yahoo. So uh, I think DFS for certainly, he's a, he's a really great play. But even in season-long lineups, uh, you need a running back. I know I'm playing him in one league where, uh, you know, it's uh, there's a lot of flex spots open. So uh, you can start as many running backs as you want, up to nine, technically. Uh, no, no minimum. I love those leagues. No minimum requirements at starters. So uh, I think I'm, I'm putting in like four or five running backs. So Ty Johnson's among them. Why? I mean, I'm, I think like a guy like Larry Fitzgerald, someone I'm benching there. Because why would I? I'd rather have the, even though it's not going to be a whole workhorse volume, I'd rather have that type of volume than uh, a guy going up against Marshawn Lattimore, which uh, could be pretty tough for Fitzgerald. Uh, yes. A little scared. I'm, I'm even. I know you had him in a maybe, but I'm almost uh, close. I'm closer to the sit for sure, on Fitzgerald than, than it is a, a start. That's fair. I think, you know, he might get some more points in PPR. Usually that's how it works. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think they have to throw to somebody. So, yeah, I I, yeah, true. definitely a target share to be had. But again, and, and but likewise, I think with Ty Johnson, they're going to have to run with somebody. So uh, I think right. uh, he's going to, again, maybe not get everything, but I think uh, enough of it to make it a, a a valuable start at running back because again with running backs it's all about volume if you can find those guys that are going to get double digit carries every week and and again we don't know what's going to happen every week but we know right now drake's not on this team uh he's the, the top <laughs> right. option i know there was rumors about jay ajayi as well and um 
And uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, I'm surprised they didn't look into Zach Center. Uh, him being on the, the Lions for years after the Saints cut him, but uh, the Cardinals went and swooped him up. So they obviously feel really good about Ty Johnson. Yeah. To, to, to let go of Zenner in the first place this year because they again he had been on the team for three four years so uh, yeah, especially part- since Jay Ajayi was reported to be working out for them for a couple days and then they just you know right after the the time was to announce if they were going to take him or not they reported that they signed Alfred Morris and we didn't really hear anything about Ajayi after that so you're like you know you got a former starting running back in the league and you know he he didn't even make this tryout, but you got some teams that could use him. So I think it's it's definitely interesting that he's still not rostered. Yeah, we'll see. I I mean, to me, it, the most logical explanation. So obviously, teams are so scared of his knees that they they can't they, they don't what they're what they're looking for now is probably players to come in for their injured player. They don't want to take on another player that possesses a high injury risk in their minds. Whether that's whether that's fair to Ajay or not, or, or true or not to Ajay, it seems like that's the perception of him. Right. So I'm going to move on, if that's cool, to Carolina and the 49ers. Absolutely. Um, So, yeah, um, I think for Carolina, the only must start I have is their kicker, Joey Sly. Um, I think Carolina should have some some success moving the football, but likely they're not going to make it into the red zone a lot and be successful there with touchdowns. Um, I think Sly is the best bet to get points on the board for the Panthers, but his field goals... And he only has two games without double-digit points this season, and uh, he is the second-best kicker in the league right now. So I think that bodes well for going up against a tough defense and uh, trying to come off of drives with the points, most likely going to be field goals the majority of the time, in my opinion. Um, I also have Christian McCaffrey as a maybe. Um, I know that you're like, what, number one overall pick in my draft? You just you just think he's a maybe? Um, I think... That's mainly because of the defense, and I'm trying to find, yeah, okay. Um, So I think, you know, McCaffrey will really show us just how good or bad the 49ers really are against the run. Um, I know they're ranked really high. I think they're first against uh, rushing defense, or no, they're in the top five, Tampa Bay's first, um, but they're first in pass defense. Um, So he McCaffrey is really the Panthers' entire offense, and uh, most weeks San Francisco has ample time um, to prepare, or they've had ample time to prepare for him this week. Uh, the 49ers give up 90 yards per game on the ground, um, and even though McCaffrey is a dual threat, Carolina really leans on him to either run or pass uh, in the in those games when, uh, you know, one's getting stopped. They kind of lean on him to do the other. But I think San Francisco has the defense and the skill players needed to stop him both ways. Um, so I think he really needs to prove and Carolina really needs to prove that they've used this time to have a successful game plan against the 49ers, especially on the road. Um, I'm not excited about Greg Olson either. I'm going to sit him this week. Um, just because no tight end has more than 32 yards against the 49ers this season. And I don't think Olsen is the one that will be successful enough to make his fantasy day worth it and kind of change that pattern. Um, Carolina also has been struggling with using its wideouts. So the likelihood that the Panthers being on the field for a long sustained drive multiple times, I feel is pretty unlikely. Um, so this obviously would cut into Olsen's production. Um, and I think San Francisco's game plan should involve eliminating him and McCaffrey because I think those are the biggest threats to them. Um, I find the 49ers, I'm making one of you know the mediocre wide receivers on Carolina to beat me. I'd rather be beat by them than give up to somebody I know is good. 
Um, that being said, I'm also going to say Kyle Allen, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel. Um, I'm not a big fan of the, the way that Carolina is using their receivers. I don't think their receivers are that good. Um, but that being said, DJ Moore um, does have, let's see, 18 catches. Let's see, I wrote it down. <laughs> um, some Something. 18 catches, uh, 17.7 points, I believe. Um, so, you know, PPR could be a maybe because he's – He's, you know, getting the catches, but he's not really getting the production. Um, so Curtis Samuel also is not worth starting unless he gets a touchdown because, um, the, you know, he's getting some targets, but the production just isn't there. And I don't like, you know, throwing them in against a defense that is already good at elimin- eliminating production to wide receivers. Um, I'm nervous about starting really any wide receiver against San Francisco, but uh, when you're not one of the top wide receivers in the league, it kind of makes it a little, a little more, you know, scary. Um, but let's see for San Francisco side of the ball. Um, I really like Tevin Coleman. I think he's the best running back on the run heavy team and he, his carries having increased in all his games back from injury. He also has a touchdown in two of three games. Um, I think the tandem of him and Matt Breda will hate, help break down the Carolina defense um with Brita I think uh you know his numbers were down last week because he left the game and they were cautious when he came back in he didn't get any uh more carries after he came back in from his injury but he has um his carries are in the teens when he's healthy um and I also like George Kittle uh because he is he is a big dude um, I think he's still the number one passing option in their pass game, despite them requiring Emmanuel Sanders from Denver, at least for right now. Um, I think Kittle is due for another touchdown, and they finally started to throw to him more, um, and his production is increasing in the last couple weeks. Um, but I am a little scared to start Sanders uh, just because, you know, he was traded this week. He has he has to go learn a new team, learn a new playbook. He hasn't even had a week to do that. Um, I think, you know, he is a decent wide receiver. I understand that San Francisco is, you know, eyeing the Super Bowl. They know they need some help in the passing game. Sanders is going to help them, but I think it's too short of a time right now to trust him in the first, you know, week that he's with San Francisco. I think, you know, they're going to look for him in the game, but I'm worried that he doesn't necessarily know the plays that he, that he needs to know or just know their scheme right now. And I'm, you know, San Francisco also runs the ball a lot. So until they show me that they're going to actually use Sanders a lot more, I'm not going to, I'm not going to have him as a must start. Um, so maybe he's more of a maybe instead of a sit, but in my mind, I just, I would rather see that they're going to use him, that they're going to start throwing the ball more. Um, and until that I'm, I can't trust him. Um, as much as I would like to. And that's the same as Jimmy Garoppolo, since they're not a pass-heavy team. Um, He also needs more reps with Sanders in order to be on the same page as him. Uh, Garoppolo also needs to take more of a command in the passing game. They need to kind of move into a groove. And Carolina also has given up just seven passing touchdowns on the season. They have more interceptions than touchdowns. They have nine interceptions on the year. Um, I'm also going to sit the other wide receivers for San Francisco, Marquise Goodwin and Dante Pettis. Goodwin is questionable for a personal reason. Um, they said that he's 
they don't know if he's going to play, um, so they're just going to list him as questionable. There are kind of reports going back and forth this week. I saw, you know, he's not going to play, and then he's really likely to play, and they're kind of back to, I don't know. Um, so definitely monitor his status. It is a 425 game, so it is uh, a little tougher to find a replacement for him if you're relying on playing him for whatever reason. Um, he hasn't really been a factor for the second straight season. His production has kind of dipped off. Um and I don't like Dante Pettis. It doesn't really seem to exist in a game plan. I was really excited for him before the year because Kyle Shanahan said they're going to use him as number one wide receiver, but that's not the case at all. He only has nine catches this season and four came in one game. So I can't trust him. Actually, the, the 49ers receiver, I I think I like the most a wide receiver. I mean, obviously Kittle's the, the, the top guy there, but uh, uh, I think it's Debo Samuel. I, I mean, I agree with you. All these other guys scare me. Pettis, maybe because he's healthy, at least. With, 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 uh, we'll see, because he was, I mean, he, we'll see what, again, with the, what's going on with him. Uh, and Emmanuel Sanders, as you mentioned, coming to a new team, it's week one right away. It's going to be tough. And this is not a very forgiving pass defense. Yeah, the secondary is not the greatest, but that pass rush is so good. Uh, the DVOA has it as the third highest uh, pass defense. So uh, even Debo Samuel, I'm not really crazy about him. But I think if there's going to be one uh, 49ers wide receiver, I think it'd be him. But uh, everything else I'm, I'm on board with. I'm less uh, I'm less excited about Matt Burita, But certainly Tevin Coleman, with all the red zone work he's getting, he is, uh, again, it, it, those first two weeks, or two, weeks two and three, it was Jeff Wilson who got all the red zone carries. Right. Uh, but now it's Tevin Coleman, uh, six last week. And uh, he's had, uh, he's had third, uh, he's had, Sorry, uh, 19 red zone opportunities on the year for them, which leads the team. And again, he and he was out for a good chunk of the year or so far. Anyway, I, what did he miss? Three games? Or I guess there was a bye week in there, so maybe only two games. Yeah. But I think but it was, still, yeah. But still, he is, the, he is their red zone guy. Uh, so if there is going to be a touchdown here, and that is where Carolina is more vulnerable, their bottom five and run defense DVOA. So, uh, so Brita is an option, I, and I like him a lot more than more. I guess the receivers, but I'm not necessarily an automatic start like you are, just because I, I, I think a lot of the area where Coleman will have success with a touchdown, that's that's all Coleman and and Burita. Uh, PPR leagues is fine because he probably will catch enough passes. Uh, certainly, I'm afraid of of a lot of players in this game because of how defensive it is. And yeah, it was it was a little shocking to me seeing McCaffrey as a maybe, um, but I do get it because. Uh, so the 49ers actually have allowed the fewest amount of receptions to running backs on the year. So it's not a team that, uh, I mean, I know uh, you mentioned the Buccaneers are, again, and this is the DVOA confirms this, uh, the number one run defense in the league. But the Buccaneers have allowed more receptions to, to running backs, at least compared to the 49ers. That's one area that where they're, where they're really excelling. They've, they've even allowed less than what the Patriots have. So, uh so up the middle running is going to be McCaffrey's friend here. That's if, where that's maybe where he's going to have more success than uh, through the air, which a lot of times his pass catching upside is what gives him that sort of boost that every week you know he's going to do well. So if that really is in question here, it could be it could be rough going for him. I mean, we saw against the Bucks, who are again a great run defense, they held him to just over fifty scrimmage yards, two catches. Uh, it was by far his worst fantasy performance of the year, and uh, he scored in every other game. He's played um, a lot of touchdowns, actually. And uh, that was the one game where he didn't score. And this, this could be another game where, where that happens. Uh, so uh, I, I'm I'm not totally opposed to him not being a, an automatic start. Going to be really tough to bench McCaffrey 
I don't know if I'd, I could avoid that temptation of playing him even in this tough matchup, but uh does give you something to think about. And that's why I'm here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thanks, and it's awesome. So, uh, awesome. This this could be, a, actually, in my mind, an awesome game, another big shootout game. The mm. Texans kind of had this last week against the Colts, but, yeah, Raiders at Texans. Uh, I know last week one of my favorite DFS stacks was Colts-Texans for that reason, just to Hopkins and then go on the other side, Brissett and T.Y. Hilton because they're so cheap. Well, I like doing something similar this week, too. Play Hopkins, and then if you want to stack them, stack the other side, like Darren Waller and, and Derek Carr. Uh, for season long, obviously, I think Darren Waller, he's one of those tight ends that's a must-start every week. Uh, and I think at this point, even in tough matchups, you don't really question those those tight ends because of how barren it is. Like, wide receiver and running back are deep enough that, ooh, like, a, a, you know, McCaffrey's maybe not the best example, but like, like Joe Mixon, for instance. Running back's deep enough that you, even though you've taken him early, you could probably find a better matchup for him somewhere. For a guy like Waller, those top seven, eight tight ends... Uh, if you you know if you don't have another one of those top seven eight tight ends, how are you replacing them? So Darren Waller, great matchup here. Uh, I looked at his target share in the year. He's got I think fifty targets. The next highest is twenty six on the team. I think it's Derek Carrier actually the tight end. So uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, the Gruden and the Raiders love the tight end, and they certainly love Waller more than all of them. Deshaun Watson's obviously a, a a must start Hopkins as well. I really like Kenny Stills. He's coming off his first 100-yard game of the season. Still not getting a, an outrageous target share, but with Will Fuller gone, Stills, his natural role is a deep threat, and I know in Miami you saw it for years, that that's, that's something he excels at. It's a, you know He's more than just a deep threat because he has a more wide range of, of, uh, of a route tree, but those are his best routes, his nine routes, his go routes. So if that's how he's going to be used here with a good deep ball thrower like Watson, I think Stills could really excel here against a, a really poor Raiders pass defense, the third lowest in DVOA. Um, so I think I think Kenny Stills is a, a really good start this week. Uh, Josh Jacobs scares me because of him dealing with a bit of an injury and a tough matchup. Uh, but I again, tough to, tough to bench a guy like that. The Texans are definitely one of the better run defensive units uh, with football outsiders DVOA. They are they're six. They're just outside the top five, but they're the sixth best run defense in the league so far this year. So uh, going to be kind of a tough sledding for Jacobs. Again, not saying must start sit him, but uh, certainly look look for other options at running back. I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't. I would. I would definitely think I'd play Joe Josh Jacobs over Joe Mixon because that's an even tougher matchup and. There's less going on there. I guess the only advantage there is Mixon's healthy. But uh, I actually like playing Derek Carr this week. Could turn out to be, uh, again, the Texans are better against the run. So where they're going to win is going to be the Carr to Waller connection and maybe <laughs> all the other tight ends, Carrier and Foster Moreau. So, uh, yeah, I think uh, Derek Carr in, in Superflex is definitely worth playing. In single quarterback league, you know, if you're stuck streaming, I suppose, no Dak Prescott maybe. Maybe you were like me and you, you had a ton of Lamar Jackson and Dak Prescott. Oh, wait, they have the same bye week. Got to find another quarterback. But uh, I know I've got both of them in a few leagues. So if that's your situation, then Carr, I think, is a good streaming option. Uh, Kiki Kuti uh, still hasn't seen a huge target share. Not like he did in games last week or last year. So uh, still tough to trust him. The tight ends, I don't mind them. Again, a streaming tight ends. Jordan Akins, Darren Fells. It's a pretty decent matchup. Uh, I know, uh, and I'll address this on my Sunday morning stream tomorrow morning uh i know Braden holseek the chief's managing editor he asked me a question about uh tight end because he had mark andrews well where do i go with this um his options were 
uh, I think they were, it was, uh, I think it was, it was this game. It was Derek Carrier or do you go Jordan Akins or Darren Fells? Like which, which tight end do you approach? And I said, the better matchup is for the Texans going against this Raiders defense. That's where it's better. So you want to go with those guys that have a better chance of getting a touchdown. So Akins and Fells, I think for streaming tight ends, you can certainly do worse. I, I like Gerald Everett better. It's kind of a reference point. But I definitely, as you mentioned, I, I like the way more than Charles Clay. Uh, right. I guess a, a Josh Hill is kind of maybe that's where the rubber meets the road. I think with Cook out, I think I prefer a Josh Hill to those two just because he's going to see more of the target share, at least the tight end target share, uh, especially if Breeze plays. So I think that's maybe where my line is. It's, you know, rather have Josh Hill, but uh, certainly then I think Aikens and Fells are next. Uh, I like Duke Johnson better than Carlos Hyde. Because I do think there is a chance that the Raiders and Darren Waller could put up enough points to force them to keep throwing the football. Uh, but that's not to say that the Texans can't get to a big lead and, and then suddenly Carlos Hyde's running. But the Raiders' run defense is actually above average. Uh, DVOA, they are... Uh, they're 11th. They're right there with the 49ers, actually. Um who again? They're they're the past defenses couldn't be more opposite between those two teams though. But uh, certainly the Raiders, they're they're the way to exploit them. And the Packers saw it last week is through the air. So uh, could be could be not a, a great game for Carlos Hyde. I'd certainly would prefer Duke Johnson to him. Uh, any thoughts about this, Kayla? Yeah, um, I mentioned Darren Fells earlier. I actually had the same issue as uh, Braden did. I have Mark Andrews. Um, I also did have Will Disley, but you know. He's off in a hospital somewhere, but uh, I went Darren Fells because I like what he's done in the last couple of games. I know last week he was kind of disappointing. Um, I have his stats here. My computer would freeze when I'm trying to talk about this. Um, well, he's had, uh, I think, three touchdowns in the last two games, Um and even though he only had 27 yards last week, the touchdowns, I'm not, you know, I don't like going on touchdown dependent guys, but um, I think with this week, I'm really trying to get my computer to work. Okay. Well, um, I, I've, I mean, I know they have reds, they've been getting enough red zone targets. They didn't, neither Akins or Fel saw any last week, but they've combined for nine red zone targets through the year. Uh, five for Aikens puts him only behind Hopkins and Fuller on the team, and, and Fuller's gone now. So, Right, yeah, that's what I was going to bring up. Will Fuller, um, you know, he wasn't getting as many targets as I had hoped when I drafted him in the draft this year, but um, I think whatever, you know, he was getting now falls, I think, to Kenny Stills, like you said, and um, to the tight ends. I don't really think it upticks for DeAndre Hopkins, but, um, you know, Am I concerned that Fells has seen, you know, one or two catches and four of his seven games? Yes. But in one of the games where he only had two catches, he had two touchdowns. So he was used in the red zone. And then there were other games where, you know, he had six or seven targets and he caught. He only dropped one of them. So one of those games against the Chargers, he had 49 yards and a touchdown on five catches with six targets. And the other one against Kansas City had 69 yards um, on six catches and seven targets. So, you know, it's better than getting zero, and I think Fells has the opportunity to pick up some more yards or even get into the end zone, especially with Fuller out. Um, I think, you know, Oakland's not going to be dumb. They know Kenny Stills is there. They know that Houston went to get Kenny Stills to get another uh, deep threat target um, and as well as somebody who can also play throughout the field. I like the Stills call, but, you know, I think I think it does help Fells' case this week, um, and I like him. 
if you need a tight end, I think he's a must start. But I think if you already have one, then he's a maybe. Um, so it just really depends on your team situation. Um, but I, I like a majority of what else you said. I really like Darren Waller. Um, somebody dropped him in one of my leagues a couple weeks ago when he was wow. on and and I picked him up because I had Delaney Walker and I was like, all right, like thanks for this gift because <sighs> he's definitely proving to be the that's best a, tight end in the league. That's a really. crazy cut. Like, I mean, again, you'd have to have like a Zach Ertz or a, a Kittle or Kel. And there'd have to he be some Hunter reason. Henry, so okay, then then that's again, that's one of those guys you can rely on week in week out. So I, I suppose I understand that. But come on, I mean, you would have given up something if he had offered you as a trade, right? Like he could have gotten oh, yeah. more for that team than just a cut. He could have gotten a better player than probably whoever he cut uh, Waller for. Yeah. No. So again, people. <laughs> Don't just cut your players because they're on by. There are some players I do that with, for sure. Yeah, there's certain players, um, deeper leagues, guys that are, yeah. But not, especially not a, a, a one of the only, like, one of the few week-in, week-out consistent tight ends. Like, that's, uh, those type of consistent players at any position are definitely, you know, do your due diligence and offer out trades. Because, again, you would that guy would have got something for him, for sure. Yeah. Well, that's all uh, right. Anyway, so we can move on to the next game. I think we've got the Browns at the Patriots. So, Kayla. Yes, I always love previewing Patriots games. Um, I love when you give them to me. Um, but we'll start with Cleveland. <laughs> I think the only start uh, for Cleveland that I have is Nick Chubb. Um, he usually gets in the high teens and carries or the low 20s. Um, he's really the best offensive player for Cleveland at the moment. Uh, his yards per carry should give him a decent game, and I think he could, <clears throat> excuse me, find a touchdown. Um, just considering he's kind of a big guy, he's hard to bring down. Um, I think this is one of the few tests that the Patriots are going to have had this year um, when it comes to running backs. I like Chubb. I'm going to play him. Um, maybe uh, Odell Beckham Jr. I'm not super sold on him. I think he's more of a bust than a sit. Um, but I think Stefan Gilmore could be on him. Um, and I think that's going to pose a problem for OBJ. Um, he's had some decent, uh, PPR outings, um, especially like in Seattle before Cleveland's bye. but the Patriots really have just allowed one passing touchdown all year. Like I mentioned earlier, and that was to Golden Tate. Um, so I just think there are too many factors working against him, especially with OBJ coming in with Baker Mayfield, who hasn't lived up to expectations this year and has been pretty disappointing, in my opinion. Um, Cleveland's definitely struggling. I think, you know, if you have to play a wide receiver, maybe you turn to Jarvis Landry, but I I don't know. I don't like the matchup with him on Gilmore and, um, well, potentially, but I think it makes sense if the Patriots put Gilmore on him. So I think, uh, he could really be a bust in this game. Um, I'm scared to start him. So I have him as a maybe, but I'm kind of leaning towards sit him. I don't know. I think it just depends on who you have on your team and if you can afford to bench him or not to see if you have anybody else that could have a better day. Um, I also have a maybe for Ricky Seals-Jones, their tight end. I think he's a sneaky option um, in the struggling passing game. He has two touchdowns in the last three games. He is a big play guy, but he could catch New England on a broken play just because if I'm the Patriots, I'm not really looking for him. Um, There are a bunch of tight ends that have poor matchups this week, so um, I think you really are 
you might really be taking a risk, you know, streaming him. But I think he has a high ceiling, um, but kind of a low floor starting out. So it's somebody that you could consider if you're still kind of waiting to pick up that tight end for tomorrow. Um, but I'm sitting Baker Mayfield. Um, he has more interceptions and touchdowns this year uh, that, you know, never bodes well if you're you're wanting some people um, to be successful on your team, especially at the quarterback position. Um, the Patriot defense is really making up for the slack on its offense, and the, their defense is scoring basically in every game. The Patriots rank second in both pass and rushing defense. Mayfield's not really a running quarterback, but, I mean, it's really going to be taken away this week. Um, Mayfield doesn't carry his hip injury that um, he had coming into practice this week. I think he was cleared on Wednesday, so that is kind of a, a bright spot in that. Um, but he does have only five touchdowns this year. Uh, so that's concerning through the air anyway. Um, and I really would expect the Patriots to come away with more interceptions than touchdowns in this game. Um, so I don't like the play of Mayfield. Travis Landry, he doesn't have an injury. I kind of talked about him already. Um, but he is having a drop-off in targets just because of the play of Mayfield over the last few games. He also doesn't even have a touchdown this season. So if you're trying to rely on someone in the passing game, maybe this is where I flip back and go with OBJ over Landry because OBJ has some touchdowns. But, you know, it's just concerning when you have somebody highly coveted coming into the year and then he, he doesn't even find the end zone and it's week eight. So it's just... That's uh, frustrating. Um, but then Antonio Callaway, he's the third wide receiver for Cleveland List on their depth chart. He's only played in two games because of injury, but he also only has two catches. So look elsewhere. There's plenty of other options. Um, obviously, for New England, you're starting their defense. They're the best fantasy defense in the league. Um, they already made my case for them. Um, Tom Brady, uh, Cleveland's defense isn't that good, and Brady just got Muhammad Sanu uh, in the passing game to kind of help with the injuries to receivers. He can still dump the ball off to people like James White or Sony Michelle. Um, I'm not necessarily sold on starting Sanu. Um, Julian Edelman usually plays in the slot. And that's where Muhammad Sanu, we saw him line up with Atlanta a lot of times. Sanu can also play the deep ball, so I hope New England puts him outside to use Sanu effectively. Um, but again, like Emmanuel Sanders, Sanu hasn't had a full week to learn the playbook, learn the chemistry. I mean, I know you can argue it's the Patriots. I mean, you could be in there for, you know, 24 hours like Antonio Brown and catch a touchdown. Um, but... I want to see how they use Sanu before I trust him. They might not use him in every snap just because they have Edelman in his position. Um, so I'm going to start Julian Edelman. I know he's long limited practices every day this week with his nagging chest injury, but he's done that a couple weeks now in a row and he hasn't missed a, missed a game. I think Edelman is a must start. Even if he's not 100%, he's clearly Brady's favorite receiver. And I think he could easily get a touchdown or plenty of PPR points this week. Um, and I also like Sony Michelle just because Cleveland's rush defense isn't great. Um, he gets a bulk of carries. He definitely gets more carries than James White and Rex Burkhead. Although there are reports that Burkhead could play, um, that could cut away from the goal line opportunities that Michelle has, but he'll still be getting the bulk of the carries. And at some level, the Patriots are probably going to be up big in this game and they'll just need to run out the clock. Uh, so that being said, I have James White and Philip Dorsett as maybes. Um, James White really isn't running the ball. He's just another option in the pass game. But, you know, with Sanu coming in there and um, Dorsett being back and Edelman playing, uh, it's just, you know, how many balls are you actually going to get? 
Um, same with Philip Dorsett. He's not, you know, he's now the number three wide receiver again with Josh Gordon going on IR and them getting Sanu. So I think it, it just depends on who gets the bulk of the carries. Um, but yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to wait to see how Dorsett does fitting into an offense with Edelman and Sanu, and then maybe even have to wait longer when Nikhil Harry comes back next week. There's just too many options to get the football at this point. So to touch on first off, uh, the, so the two maybes you had for the Browns, Beckham and and Ricky Seals Jones. It's funny how they have them together, and I can I can understand the argument to have both in maybes, but to me they're complete opposite ends of that spectrum. Like <laughs> Beckham's a borderline must start, but I can I get it. it's a tough matchup, so I'm I am scared as someone who has Beckham in a lot of places. I I don't think I'm I'm benching him, but it's definitely not. Uh, not the greatest proposition this week, but Ricky Seals Jones, again, we talk about it with those touchdown dependent tight ends. You look for the matchups, and this really isn't it. Like, uh, just to point back to what we talked about earlier, I'd rather have Darren Fells or Jordan Akins than Ricky Seals Jones this week. Yeah, that's fair. I just think he was a sneaky option. I thought he was worth mentioning a little bit, but yeah, I would definitely take Darren Fells and Akins before, well, maybe not Akins, definitely Darren Fells before. Ricky, but um, I just think, you know, like I said, it's not somebody that New England's really preparing for. And he seems, when Seals Jones scores, seems to be on some, some broken plays or just some whack coverages. So I think there's something to be said for that. But yeah, I mean, New England has only allowed one passing touchdown. So the odds of him getting in the end zone, pretty poor. But if he does, then you're going to be the first person I hit up. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, they and they I mean they've really been having unrelenting though. So them having a break in coverage doesn't seem very likely. But again, we'll see. Uh, the one player, I mean, I'm looking at the tight end on the other side, and Ben Watson. Uh, I think I'd much rather have him, especially because Matt Lacoste and uh, Ryan Izzo are both out. So Ben Watson's the only healthy tight end for the Patriots. Uh, so I definitely think he's a, a pretty great option. Certainly, uh, Sanu. I'm not. I doubt Sanu even plays in this game. They probably want to give him some time to learn the playbook. Uh, it's not as if the Patriots at 7-0 and are desperate for wins right now. So uh, they they brought him on so, because they think he can help win them a Super Bowl. So him starting this week isn't going to necessarily help that goal. Right? They know it's long-term. So yeah, I definitely agree. Snoo is not worth playing at all this week. Uh, but I think Ben Watson deserves to be mentioned here. And I, I would definitely consider him. Uh, maybe, uh, you know, when we talk about all these maybe at tight ends, I think he may be even higher than Gerald Everett, just because they're dealing with some injuries. Even, uh, I know Alessandro's man, whoever made this man a gunner, um, Olszewski, uh, he was limited all week, questionable, just as uh, Edelman is, but it seems like Edelman's questionable every week, and he's fine usually. Uh, but Philip Dorsett's kind of trending in the right direction, limited practice Wednesday, and then full practice Thursday, Friday, to the point where he didn't even get an injury designation on Friday. He's Dorsett's playing, he seems like he's close to 100%, so uh, I'm definitely uh, intrigued by playing Philip Dorsett this week because of uh, just uh, injuries elsewhere on this receiver core and and uh, Sanu not necessarily being up to par yet. Eventually, Dorsett's going to get maybe more phased out, but I think for right now, he and Ben Watson are, in this case, worth playing. Even James White, I'm pretty encouraged by him. I think I'd, I'd be high from a little higher than maybe a maybe, but uh, I suppose I understand that. with Because uh, Rick, Rex Burkhead could return, and that makes it things a little trickier for both White and Michelle. Right. Uh, so, all right, two games left. We've got uh, two primetime contests, which, uh, I mean, 
you, you you maybe thought more hope with these both of these teams. This could be a bit more intriguing entering the season. Packers at Chiefs. It was this, this could have been a, a great chance to see Rodgers versus Mahomes. Uh, I, I mean, I would love to say that that ooh, maybe potential Super Bowl preview, but uh, we're still a ways away from that. Uh, but yeah, uh, no no uh, Patrick Mahomes means Matt Moore is uh, obviously playing. Um, and while I think it affects the pass catchers because they're not playing with the homes, I still think you got to play Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey. Uh, if anything, Kelsey hasn't been seeing a consistent target share. Maybe Matt Moore relies on Kelsey more. Maybe that ends up being the game plan, and he be he they just pepper him with targets. Um, for the Packers, I mean Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers are the the two must plays. I think. Uh, the Chiefs' run defense is still really bad. I know they. They had a bit better performance last week, but it was also against the Broncos. So let's not confuse them for a good offense. Uh, they're the fourth worst in run defense, run DVOA. So uh, fire up Aaron Jones. Even Jamal Williams, I think, deserves credit. He could definitely get the volume. Uh, where I'm less, you know, the Packers receiving core, that's where things are, are a little tricky right now. Uh, for Devontae Adams, there's a... He's listed as doubtful, even though he didn't play at all this week uh, or didn't practice at all this week. So I, I'm especially on a Sunday night, you really can't rely on him. Now, if you if you want to take the risk on Adams and you need a backup option there, so you pick up pick up one of the other Packers receivers. That's the obvious one. And if he comes in, then you just replace, you You know, you hold that. You have that player hold that spot, whether it's a flex spot or that last receiver spot. And then uh if Adams is inactive, you keep that player in. But if a Adams does surprisingly become active and you really want to play him, then you, you've got an option for yourself there. Uh, so I think, and I think, again, if Adams is out, MBS, Allison, Kumro, Lazard, they're all worth playing. Uh, it's funny because the Chiefs and Raiders are basically opposites. Like the Chiefs really aren't that good against the run, but their pass defense is actually pretty decent. They get enough pressure on the pass rush. Raiders, it's complete opposite. The uh, pass defense is trash. They can't cover anybody, but the run defense is actually pretty solid. So for the Packers, it's going to be opposite of last week where you're not going to see a bunch of guys get 100 yards or uh, I think he had seven different receivers catch at least one pass of more than 20 yards. So it was all about the big plays. I think this yeah. game is going to be a grind it down, Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams type of game. So I think those are maybe the most two uh, likely plays, but MBS, Allison, Kumro, Lazard, if you need a, a desperate shot at receiver, I think they're all worth it. Lazard played the most snaps last week for the, the information there even though he didn't see as many targets uh it seems like they like lazard a lot in the run blocking game so if uh it does turn into a run heavy approach look for lazard to kind of be that guy that's on the field most of the time uh kumaro was next in snaps followed by allison and then mvs only ended up playing 33 percent of the snaps uh use them more as a deep threat so uh I don't know. I don't know where it, it all depends what you need as a receiver. I think MVS, if you're, you know, you're trying to be aggressive and that you need that extra push on a Sunday night to get you over the top, then MVS is the guy. He's going to be the guy that's going to catch the big plays and the big, the big uh, passes. Um, if you're looking for more consistent PPR floor guy, uh, might be Lazard or Allison you'd look for. On the chief side, I, I already mentioned Hill and Kelsey must start. Matt Moore is worth starting, I think. Uh, so, you know, obviously, if you have better options, you'd go with someone who's more established. But because it, it is a tough Packers matchup with the the pass rush, uh, with Eric Fisher still dealing with his injury, uh, he is yeah he's been ruled out. Even though he practiced limited Thursday, Wednesday, Thursday, but Friday didn't practice at all, so he's out. Uh, so that means uh, that left side of that line is going to be kind of vulnerable. And uh, the teams that have had success against the Packers this year have had 
elite level centers, whether it was Jason Kelsey at the Eagles or last week against the Raiders, they're I mean, the pass rush really wasn't there for the Packers. And part of that was if you have someone you can beat Kenny Clark one on one with, you can bring more help to the edges and, and double team the, the Smiths. Uh, I don't really think the Chiefs can do that. So it's uh, it's not going to be a really great explosive performance. Sammy Watkins is going to play, though. So I think he's definitely worth a shot. But uh, I think the Chiefs to have success are going to have to run the football. It's where the Packers are weak at. So I definitely think LaShawn McCoy also uh, certainly a, a consideration. I know I'm I'm toying with the idea of LaShawn McCoy or Joe Mixon, and I'm really leaning towards the McCoy side because it's just a much better matchup and uh, expect him to have a similar workload to Mixon, who really isn't getting a, a lion's share carries. He's kind of splitting things, and McCoy's definitely leading this committee. I know Damian Williams has burned so many people, and I have him as a maybe here with McCoy, but it, it does feel like it's two different extremes. Like, McCoy's the guy I definitely, wa- or definitely maybe want to start. Whereas uh, Williams, it's okay. If you don't have anyone else, you can start him, but you're going to look to sit him most weeks. With Watkins returning, though, I think Demarcus Robinson, McCole Hardman, I don't know if I would play them. Especially a guy like Hardman, who does rely on the deep play and his speed. It's going to be tough for a lot of these passes and routes to develop. Whereas they they like throwing Hill, all sorts of stuff underneath, and they'll find ways to get Hill open even if if, uh, Matt Moore doesn't have a ton of time in the pocket. But I think for Hardman is really going to get hurt by that. And uh, Robinson's been too inconsistent lately to trust. So, um, yeah. So what do you think about that, Kayla? Yeah, um, I like the call for Matt Moore, but only in two quarterback leagues. I'm afraid to start him if he's my sole guy, just because the chief, the Chiefs' offensive line, I think problems are really going to show this week because Patrick Mahomes is a really mobile quarterback. Um, he can kind of bail them out when he can escape the pocket and use his legs and kind of just buy more time by running around in circles. Um, Matt Moore is not that kind of player. Um, so I think... You know, a must start is a little bit of a stretch, in my opinion. I could see where you like him in two quarterback leagues, but I like the call of LaShawn McCoy over Joe Mixon. Um, I think you're right. The Chiefs need to run the ball to win the game, and I I don't really think Cincinnati has that great of a chance um, to win the game or get away from their struggling offensive line problems as well. Um, I think, yeah, you have to play Tyree Kill and Travis Kelsey, and I think you were spot on with – the Chiefs wide receivers to sit. Um, so overall, yeah, I like I like your calls, especially the breakdown of the wide receivers in in Green Bay. I mean, I know that's your team and that's your specialty, and I definitely wouldn't have been able to break it down that way. So good job. All right, well, thank you. And uh, I mean, the, the one thing with the Chiefs though is, while the left side is a big question, the right side of that line is actually pretty sh- solid. Mitchell Schwartz is among the best right tackles in the league. Uh, Laurent Zivelnetalziff, fellow Canadian. Uh, he's a really good right guard, above league average. He's got a big extension with them for a reason. Uh, certainly in the in the run game as well. He, he's a big uh, road grader out there. Uh, so a guy, I mean, he he could end up seeing a lot of Dean Lowry, and that'll be a matchup. I know I'm, I'll definitely be looking to to see uh, there, and that could be a place where the McCoy could be running off the right side a lot. You could see that. I think that's the best place to attack the Packers, at least with what the Chiefs have in their arsenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, now we'll get to your team, the Dolphins and the Steelers on Monday night. Ooh, what a game. I'm just kidding. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be as bad as everybody thinks, but uh, I don't necessarily see uh, the Dolphins making this miraculous win. Um, but that being said, um, I do have some starters I think you can play for Miami and feel good about. Uh, Devontae Parker, he has a touchdown in three straight weeks and double-digit fantasy points in two of those three games. Um, obviously, his PPR stock is... 
Cog goes up with that um, and makes those double-digit fantasy points happen in um, all three of those games. So I think, you know, he's not owned in a majority of leagues. Um, you could probably still pick him up. I know a lot of people who don't really follow the Dolphins just kind of write write them off, and you're like, oh, there's no – they don't win. There's no options for them on, on fantasy teams, but that is not correct. Um, I also think if you're trying to be sneaky and kind of trying to look ahead, running back Mark Walton, two weeks ago he was the number three running back on their depth chart. However, in the last two weeks, he's been the team's leading rush. He had 75 total yards versus Washington two weeks ago and 66 rushing yards in Buffalo last week, and he was also used in the passing game in both games. Um, he's listed as the backup ahead of Kalen Ballage um, and behind Kenyon Drake, but Walton has played better than both of them and is getting more time on the field than Drake. So I guarantee you, Unless you're me and you you have me in your league, no one has Mark Walton on their roster. But I picked him up in case he has his third straight successful week. Um, because then I think looking forward, the Dolphins cannot ignore him. They're going to have to make him their starter. Um, or he's going to be in a committee, but he's going to be the best running back in their, in their game. You can't argue that... Um, you know, Drake is just off because they're using the same offensive line and Walton is just succeeding. Uh, so I think he's someone that you can look at, definitely monitor. And, um, you know, in one of my leagues, I don't have the waiver system. So if I want to pick him up in the second quarter on on uh, Monday night, I can do that. Um, so if you're in a league like that, then definitely be watching to see how often they run the ball with him early and how often he's on the field. Um, maybe for Miami, I'm looking at Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, I think this game won't be a blowout. Uh, Fitzpatrick is known for getting a bunch of yards, even if he turns the ball over and he has multiple touchdowns in multiple games back to back. Um, so I think Steelers defense is a little stingy and I think the Dolphins will be chasing points, but Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a bad play, especially because you have guys like Mahomes out, Lamar Jackson's on by, Dak Prescott's on by. I think Fitzpatrick really is a sleeper this week. Um, and I think if you, you want to make a bold play and then go for it, just like Walton. Um, Preston Williams, their wide receiver, he's leading the team in yards in multiple weeks, including last week in Buffalo, but he doesn't have a touchdown since week one. So uh, it's encouraging to me that he has a lot of yards, but him not getting into the end zone is kind of making him hard to trust and be fantasy relevant. Um, So that's why I just have a maybe. But sitting, Drake, Ballage, minimal usage. Ballage does have a touchdown in two straight weeks, but he has less than five touches in both games. So they put him in for a play in the red zone, hope it worked, it paid off, um, but they're not using him throughout the field. Um, Kenyon Drake doesn't even have 200 yards this year in six games. He doesn't have any touchdowns, can't work with the offensive line. All of that does not scream start for me. Um, Wide receivers Albert Wilson and Jakeem Grant, they have uh, one catch combined in the last week. Um, Wilson is still recovering from an injury. He's used not very frequently um the injury to his hip and just some other banged up issues he you shouldn't roster him i think if you're going to roster any wide receivers it's parker before williams and then williams if you really need somebody but uh albert wilson jakeem grant aren't even worth you know thinking about um especially because jakeem grant is sacrificing some of his kick return duties to preston williams so if you get points for that then williams helps you a little bit um 
For Pittsburgh, you have to start James Conner. This is the best matchup he's had all year. The Dolphins' rush defense is 31st in the league. They allow 161 yards per game, and James Conner is getting touchdowns through the air, on the ground. It doesn't matter. He's the fourth running back, fourth best running back in the league, um, and his stats should be through the roof this week. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster, I know it's been frustrating if you have him. Like me, I'm frustrated. Um, but this has to be a breakout matchup for him, especially because he's at home after bye. He's due for a touchdown. He only has two this season, but Miami has allowed four touchdowns to receivers in the last two games. Um, I also like Deontay Johnson opposite Juju in this game. I think uh, the Dolphins are going to have more eyes on Juju than on Johnson. Um, which will leave Johnson open. He's averaging six targets a game in five of six games this year, and Dolphins. the Dolphins have also done poorly against number two wide receivers this season. Um, maybe I think James Washington, just because the Dolphins' pass game is so poor. Um, it could be a breakout game for him that, you know, we've kind of all been hoping for with how hyped he was um, prior to the season. Um, he's obviously surpassed Dante Moncrief, um, and I think, you know, if – Pittsburgh starts to pile on the points. James Washington can get his fair share of of uh, points there, especially in PPR. Um, I also like Vance McDonald. I think um, it's kind of a stretch to play him, but he is worth a look. Um, let's see. Just because – where are my notes? Um I think McDonald needs a touchdown to save his day, but I can see it happening just because of what Miami gives up um, just in the air in general. Um, I think the Dolphins will have more of their focus on the wide receivers, which might open up McDonald a little bit. Um, And even though he's been used less frequently over the last few weeks because he's been recovering from an injury, he is coming off a bye, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Steelers kind of worked with him a little bit and put him in the game plan for this week. So I think it might be more of a long shot, but I don't think he's a sit, especially, you know, we were talking about needing a tight end. Um, And then the Pittsburgh defense, he can probably bank on some turnovers, uh, especially if Drake's in the game, he's probably going to fumble. Ryan Fitzpatrick's good for an interception or two. Um, And it could be a low-scoring game if the Dolphins can't figure out the Steelers' defense. Uh, Yeah, great analysis here. Uh, Pretty much agree with everything. Uh, I guess the only thing I would kind of reverse is Parker Williams. Um, specifically in Dynasty, I think Williams is much is worth rostering much more than Parker is. Um, in redraft, though, I, I you know, it's about the same. I think uh, Williams still lead, leads them in red zone targets. A lot of that came in the early stretch, though. Um, at one point, he had I think it was about five of of their seven red zone targets, uh, but now he has eight of the team's twenty total red zone targets. So it's still and again still leading them. The next closest player is Parker with five. Um, so I, I know I, that leads me to think that, you know, if there's going to be a touchdown to be had, it's likely going to go to Williams. But as you said, Parker's really stepped up in that category the last couple of weeks. So I, I guess right now, Parker probably is worth starting more than Williams, but I think for worth having on your team, whether it is short or long-term, I think it's Williams, but, uh, uh, certainly long-term, it definitely feels like it's Williams. I, we don't know. Uh, Parker's on the last year of his contract, right? Uh, no, he signed a two-year extension in the offseason. That's right. Okay, so I guess he's there long-term, too. So uh, at least there's some uh, consistency yeah. with that. Uh, the one player I would, or I guess it's it's two players, technically, I'm adding for the Steelers as, as maybe plays. It's whoever the second running back is. 
So uh, Jalen right. Samuels actually practiced fully all week. He's questionable for Monday night, uh, but we'll see. Uh, if because if he goes, I think he offers a, a decent chance. If he doesn't play though, I think Benny Snell gets in and he's going to spill a lot of James Conner's work. So I think he's uh, whoever is the number two running back is also uh, I think at least in consideration uh, in the maybe section. But yeah. uh, that's that that's going to be tricky because it's a Monday night. We don't know if Samuels is going to go unless you're rostering both. And if it's shallow benches, that really that's tough to roster both. So. Um, there may be just a, a safer play to just avoid them as well, which is certainly a, you know, I think that there's a, there's an argument to, to be made for that. But uh, if you, I think I've got one league where I did just pick up Samuels and I had Snell. So uh, I do have both in that. I think I've got Snell in the lineup now, but if things change, I can always pivot to, to Samuels. Uh, FF Statistics Charity League, charity league where, uh, you know, the waiver wire is barren, so guys like benny snell became key waiver pickups and someone dropped samuel so i i just pounced on it put a ton of fab towards it and uh hopefully i know it's uh, a league where i'm struggling and i was like three and one but now a uh, bit more of a struggle right now if a three and four so uh, i need some wins and i think maybe just again seeing the dolphins matchup it just kind of lights up your face like ooh, dolphins good you can exploit it so whether it's with snell or samuels i think they're at least worth considering yeah, I would agree. Just because we saw how Pittsburgh used James Conner and Jalen Samuels against Cincinnati, and um, I'm pretty sure that even in standard league, Samuels got double-digit points because he got that touchdown. Um, so I think that's definitely an opportunity for Pittsburgh to do the same thing again, no matter who the number two running back was or is. All right, well, I think that concludes our Week 8 preview. Um, Kayla, do you want to say anything before you go? I just really hope the Dolphins win. Like every week, it's the same message. Yeah, if if, uh, if Rudolph wasn't healthy and they had Hodges, I think there'd maybe be a chance for it, but uh, it's going to be tough. I know Vegas has it as a pretty big spread. Uh, we probably won't win until like week 16 against Cincinnati. So Ah, there you go. And at which point, that could decide who actually ends up 0-16. Yeah, but I'm sure if, you know, we end up being the team that is that. I mean, I think our defense is playing better. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'd probably end up with a number one pick, and then everyone's like, oh, you're going to draft Tua, and then we get to the draft, and we don't even draft Tua. So, I don't know. I just want to win. <laughs> well, again, I though, I think, I think the so little faith they've shown in Rosen kind of tells me they're definitely going quarterback. But... Uh... Hey, maybe not. Maybe they trade the number one overall pick and get uh, everything they need to start rebuilding the franchise and they get a quarterback. You mentioned that look for the 2021 class instead for a quarterback. Yeah, but I don't know if I can go through another season of this horrendous. Uh, just everything. But, yeah. yeah I certainly be disheartening. And uh, yeah, again, you're not the only fan base feeling it right now. Washington, Cincinnati. Their fans are certainly uh, kind of in agreement, and uh, uh, yeah, uh, so we'll see. Look, look for that uh, Week 16 match between the Bengals and Dolphins Ooh. to be one of the most highly contested great games we see all year. Oh, yes, they should flex out to Sunday Night Football. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, um, anyway, so thank you all for listening to our Week 8 preview where we talked about Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, and a bunch of other Sunday games. Uh, flying over to London and talking to late games. Uh, so yeah so thank you all uh be sure to follow the podcast on twitter at fpc underscore fantasy pod 
your co-hosts, Kayla Morton at MortonSalt74, myself, Kyle Sunner at Yama underscore KS, N-Y-A-M-A underscore KS, and then Alessandro Senator, who fortunately wasn't here today, but uh, he's at AM underscore Senator. Uh, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts for not just us, but everything that's in the Full Press Coverage family, which you can catch all uh, on the Full Press Radio Network. That's playing 24 hours a day, sometimes live broadcasts, but also syndication of all your favorite podcasts from the Full Press Coverage family. Um, so thank you for being part of our family as listeners, and uh, hope you all enjoyed this episode of the Full Press Fantasy Podcast.